This is the Cover 2 Podcast with Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Brady on the deep drop, stands in, fires down the middle for Gronkowski, makes the grab at the 45, spinning away from defenders. He's gone to the 20, to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. The Cover 2 Podcast on Patriots.com. The play fake and the throw to the end zone for Antonio Brown, touchdown Pittsburgh. Nobody covers the NFL like the guys from Cover 2. Eight different receivers have caught a pass for Matt Ryan today. He's looking to throw again. Wide open, Julio Jones has it. And in the end zone, touchdown Falcons. Now, Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Cover 2 Podcast with Banks and Stevens. I'm Don Banks, joined by my co-host, Nick Stevens. Nick, it was Black Monday week. It was, uh, I guess it's Wild Card week. Uh, Black Monday doesn't make it to Black Monday anymore. Have you noticed that? It's really Black Sunday night. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Uh, Proust, right? Yes. Is that Proust? I'm um, you know, it's it is funny how the coaching uh, axe falls now on Sunday night or starts falling. Chuck Pagano had this great quote Sunday after the game. I don't know what tomorrow holds. He should have said, "I don't know what it holds Sunday night holds in about two hours because uh, Jim Mercey lowered the boom right then and there." Uh, in a bizarre scene that I can't recall ever seeing before, Jack Del Rio was sent out to meet the press in the post game. Seconds after being told he was being replaced in Oakland to announce his own firing, that was cold. That's that's like carrying the sword to the executioner's block. Like, uh, oh, by the way, remember we thought we, you were going to be royalty? Uh, you're actually about to be executed. If you could go ahead and just carry this axe for me up to the block, that would be great. Well, we have a lot of Black Jack. Monday news, um, coaching, comings and goings. We're going to have a good guest, I think, to hit those topics. We're going to have Joe Banner, the former Eagles team president, obviously served in Cleveland as well as the team CEO. He conducted a coaching search in Cleveland. He hired Mike Pettin, um, tried to hire Chip Kelly, didn't get it done. Um, not sure if he regrets that or not at this point. Uh, but Joe worked in a front office for about 20 years in, in this league, so he's pretty well-versed with all things that are happening around the league this this particular week um, and also knows what it's like to get, get a team ready for the playoffs uh, as well. Um, th- he's going to be our guest in a little bit here on Black Monday. Um, but we we should first take a moment to look back at Week 17, and I don't think there was – any bigger headline, I know I led snap judgments with it. They were partying in Buffalo like it was 1999. Listen, every now and again, I will allow myself to fall down one of those YouTube holes, as we call it. And if I'm in a mood, I'll watch a compilation of the 28-3 to Patriot fan recovery comeback videos, and it brightens my spirit. I'm, a, I'm an admitted huge Patriots fan, and... Even I was able to sit for a half an hour Sunday night and then again on New Year's Day and watch Buffalo Bills. You can even just go to you can go to Twitter right now and type in Bills Mafia. Watch the reaction videos. They are bars that were just getting turned upside down, airports, uh, the fans there in the middle of the night, thousands of fans greeting them at the airport, jumping it was in like a two car degrees. with Calvin Bent. Yeah, of course. And that's a hot day in Buffalo. <laughs> just uh, He's, it's amazing the way that they reacted, and it actually just sort of like I don't know. It filled my little. It filled I, my. It filled my frozen winter heart with it's joy. It's why we watch the NFL yes. moments like that. And I'm sorry, Baltimore. Um, you know, it was I'm at not. your. It was at your expense. No, Patriots fans probably loved it. Um, you know, Steelers and 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 Patriots were not heartbroken to see Baltimore no. miss the AFC playoff no, field. No. But what a moment! Because I mean, there's so many good parts of this story. The fourth and 12 becomes epic, you know, down to your last 49 seconds, 48 seconds. Fourth and 12 in Baltimore in icy conditions, Don. All you have to do is not give up a 50-yard touchdown to an underperforming rookie wide receiver. And, and it's Andy have, Dalton. And it's Andy Dalton. It's not Joe Montana. As everyone has said, the closest, the clutchest play Andy Dalton's ever made, the closest this guy may ever come to winning a playoff game, was knocking a division rival right. out of the playoffs. It's not the red rifle. It's the red rider BB gun with, with at quarterback. And he still gets it done to a guy 
uh, it was alone in the secondary and then runs it in. I mean, it was one thing to make the catch. We were like, okay, they're in field goal range. And it was then a nicely he, thrown ball. And then he, it was, and then he keeps going, and the reactions. My favorite was the one in the Bills' locker room. And seeing Kyle Williams, who has been Mr. Buffalo Bill, scoop up his two sons and enjoy that moment, uh, although he admits he was thinking the same thing I was. They left too much time for Flacco. Uh, it was 44 <laughs> seconds to go, but but that was not to be. What a, what a great moment. That that moment will live in infamy in Baltimore, as well it should. Yep. It will live in lore in Buffalo. They're already... Andy Dalton is being swamped like sixty thousand dollars with, $60, with donations. charity donations. That's just great. I'm it sorry. Is. There's so many wins that came out of this. It's also uh, maybe just convenient timing, or a little bit cruelly ironic that uh, Baltimore employs this radical defensive scheme like a cover five. They surrounded Boyd with five guys. Right. The ball comes in, and then no, everyone is so shocked he catches the ball that nobody can tackle him. Runs in. Dean Pease submits his uh, resignation. And if he hadn't, but, he would have. Right. Well, I was going to retire. Oh, really? You sure you didn't want to stick around for the question? Turns about- out turns out he retired with like a minute, 40, or 44 <laughs> seconds to go. He retired just a little too early. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was not only the play of Week 17. It may have been the play of the year. And it validated the NFL stacking that, you know, Scott Hansen super red zone right. to close it out cer- it certainly 2017. Did. Yeah, it certainly that did. That Sunday was so entertaining. That late afternoon Palooza, nine games, which I was not happy about because snap judgments is, is complicated by that. But what it, I was trying to write a top that Buffalo goes back to the playoffs, and then it looked like it was not to be. So I was going to, you know, I was going to drop back and do Tennessee comes through in the clutch or something that didn't have quite the sex appeal. But look. You have to admit, there, there's Buffalo, there's Tennessee, long playoff droughts. Uh, try this out. Buffalo not in the playoffs since 99. Tennessee last won a home home playoff game in um, in 99. No, I'm, I'm thinking of Jacksonville. Three, I'm thinking of Jacksonville has last won a home playoff game in 99. That was the year that they lost AFC title game to Tennessee. So you got all these streaks ending. And you had these nine and seven teams and long live tiebreakers. We don't quite understand them every year, but Buffalo and Tennessee get the tiebreakers despite having been outscored this season. Yep. And yet the Chargers and Ravens, who had scoring surpluses at nine and seven, lose out on the tiebreakers. And uh, that's that's great week seventeen stuff. It is. That said, there's no team that didn't make the playoffs that I don't believe any team in the AFC would have rather faced less than the Chargers. If they could have just gotten their kicking situation, if they could have not chargered things up. But they are the Chargers. But they are the Chargers, and they lived up to their rep there. And I think, look, I mean, you talk about Kyle Williams having his moment in the locker room. He scores the touchdown earlier yeah. in the game, against earlier in the day against Miami. He does the re- re- uh, refrigerator. Uh, yeah, he's great, too. I mean, he's a big man. And... The confluence of circumstances that it takes, too. Miami has to start a third-round kid that they're just getting a look at. Gase is just, I guess, just taking Well, he didn't the, start. Cutler started, and they oh, benched him. Cutler started, and they benched him, and then yeah. Fales comes in. Yeah. Right. So you need Miami to just play another. Boy, Miami couldn't even figure out what team they were. No. I mean, if, and with the curious coaching decisions that came after this wild final Sunday on New Year's Eve, uh, well, hey, Happy New Year, Mr. Pagano and several other people. I hope you like uh, – Hope you like home projects and unemployment because uh, you're not coming back here. Uh, just a insane 48 hours. Yeah, it was crazy. All right, let's uh, quickly let's look at the four by teams now, uh, and this is kind of looking ahead. But we know the Eagles didn't have the best of Week 17. They get shut out at home six nothing. Who who played better in Week 17? Was it the Pats? Was it the Steelers? Or was it the Vikings? Okay, I'm going to give it to the Steelers because. Not I'm, that I'm expecting Big Ben to get knocked out in the playoffs at any point. It's good to get Landry Jones a couple of reps just in case something happens to Roethlisberger. Okay. Because we always know that he stays in the pocket a little too long for his own good. So but, you you think because they played the B team in one, that gives them the edge? That helps, but also those are crucial reps depending on the health of Antonio Brown for Smith-Schuster and for Martavis Bryant heading into the playoffs. They prove they can score, they can win. And if Antonio Brown does come back, even if he's a decoy, now Bryant and Smith-Schuster are ready for primetime action against much tougher defense. I, I, I'll give you that point. I think it was important to get Smith-Schuster and, and Bryant some a full head of momentum going into the playoffs because they, they need more than 
if AB is if Antonio Brown's less than 100%, they need more than obviously him. And he's going to be. There's just no way you can bounce back from a, a, that severe calf strain in a couple of weeks' time in the winter. Yeah, it's hard. It's and they a, never can get the big three healthy at the same time going into the playoffs. It's, know. it's you know Bell's healthy this year, not Brown. And Ben is. I'd say the Patriots made strides, but you know they gave up no third down conversions. But it was against Bryce Petty and Elijah McGuire. Just didn't McGuire feel like and... a, a momentum creating. And I think the the Vikings looked pretty good, but again they beat the Bears, and it was hard yeah. to feel. So I don't think any of the four by teams have this great head of momentum going into the playoffs. I mean, none of them are are staggering except for the Eagles on offense. Uh, the Eagles are easily in the in the worst stead. I yes, think. Uh, the Patriots can rely or take heart in the fact that Gronkowski, they do have their important big three on offense, Deion Lewis, Gronk, and Brady healthy, and a little extra rest for all of them is going to help big time come division round. I, I have friends who are Eagles fans, and they, they, are, they are over it. They already think... They've been, math- for they've been mathematically eliminated from the postseason before a kickoff. Oh, that's the happened. most Eagles thing they could possibly do. Well, it, you know, I get it, but their defense and their running game could still step up. And Foles, you know, Foles has played well. He threw four touchdowns against the Giants three weeks ago. So mm-hmm. we have seen a good Nick Foles. It just depends on which Nick Foles shows up. If it's the one of the last two weeks. It was a great season. Okay, bigger surprise. Try in, next year. Yeah, we'll see. Can't wait for 2018. Bigger surprise for you in Week 17 that the Bengals knocked out the Ravens with the last second touchdown or that their coach gets re-signed? <laughs> both. Both. Actually, both. I mean, I was stunned that they won, although I probably shouldn't have been because the Ravens have that ability to have everything set up perfectly and then and then complicate things. But yeah, the Marvin Lewis news. Uh, I don't know what this. As I, they I had an out. They had an out. I, I joked on Twitter last night that I don't even. I think Marvin actually wants to leave Cincinnati. He stormed into Mike Brown's office, said he was resigning. Mike Brown's getting up in years. He heard resigning, slapped a two-year contract in front of Marvin. And he signed it before he knew what what happened there. It's the worst who's on first ever. I, I, I'm here to resign. Yes, we want to resign you too. No, I would like to resign. Okay, here's the paperwork. I said it was Hotel California, only in Cincinnati. He was running to the door uh, to find the passageway to the place he had been before. You can check out anytime you like. But, but you, you can't can leave, leave, and that's clear. Unbelievable. And, and it's, he's going to get his two years because Mike Brown does not pay people to not work. So even if this thing goes spiraling down, it's going to be 17 years of Marvin Lewis in Cincinnati. Wow. That's incredible. It's, it's, I, it's unfathomable. It's, it, you know, it's Brokeback Mountain. I can't quit you is, wow. at this point. Yeah. And they I, just cannot quit each other. That might be a reference I wasn't necessarily prepared <laughs> for, but at the same time, I, I like, just, you know what? It's 2018. It could be a fresh bank. That's right. That's a snap judgment I'll get behind any day. That's right. All right. Well, and the other shocker. Ted Thompson out in Green Bay. Um, you know, I feel like there's a lot of people that are paying for that are paying for injury. Like that. Listen, Green Bay. The defense. A lot of stress was placed on not only the offense to try and perform when they lose an, a top five player, but there's so much more emphasis placed on the defense now when your offense isn't going to be as efficient as it was. So maybe they had. You know. Ted Thompson's ways kind of grew old because they never spend on free agents. The one free agent they spent on <laughs> how'd this that year, Bennett go? How'd yeah. that Bennett signing go? Yeah, begged out as soon as he thought they were going to be non-competitive. Yeah, so it makes sense. But I think a lot of people paid for the contrition of the NFL. Andrew Luck just blows up the whole season. Chuck Pagano, I think he was a Paganer long before that, anyways. But I see what you did. See right there. Um, here's what I say: right. the status Thank quo you. in the NFL will always get you, and it could be the status quo with the bar is set high, as largely it has been in Green Bay, or the status quo in Cincinnati, where you go to the playoffs and go zero and seven. It's the status quo is always fought in the NFL because it creates tension. It creates. Um, the fans and the media getting frustrated that there isn't a climb or descent. Like NFL fans can kind of figure out both of those. You're on your way up. You're on your way down. We gotta we gotta reverse the on the way down and build and and, and acquire draft picks and make trades. Blah blah blah. It's the status quo that creates this this tension. And and that has to go somewhere. That energy eventually has to go somewhere. And I think it 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 kind of is what created <laughs> change in Green Bay. And should have created change in Cincinnati, but that's a that's a Mike Brown production. 
Let me ask you the coach that is staying that you're most surprised by. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, Marvin Lewis is out, now out. Because, uh, Dirk, Dirk Cutter. Yeah, I thought Cu- yeah. I thought Cutter was a goner. And well, I, I think we know what happened there now. They went Gruden shopping. They did not win. Oakland won. And they went back to Cutter uh, because that's Tampa Bay's M.O. They always know who they're getting before they make a move. They knew they wanted Raheem Morris when they let Gruden go. They knew they wanted Cutter when they let Lovey Smith go. They're not making a move and then saying, so who's out there? Yeah, but talk about just not getting them. For a guy who supposedly was an offensive mind or isn't or is offensive minded, Mike Evans just put nothing into this yeah. season. They got two great tight ends, a bunch of productive running backs, a quarterback who's supposed to be the next big thing. Nobody was afraid of playing Tampa Bay this year. How about Vance Joseph making it oh. to year two? I was shocked by that, too, only because I think Elway's going to hate. And here he is, yep. having the time of his life. He is because he was employed. He, I thought that was a one and I thought that was absolutely a one and done. I feel like maybe this is a big move. I miss Sergio Elway. Dip. I miss I Sergio Dip. I would dip. love a dip in the playoffs. I would just love one little playoff dip. But I think maybe this is a mea culpa from Elway saying, uh-huh. you know what, I may have done you dirty here. Yeah. Because we, once again, we couldn't get anything out of the quarterback position. I kind of left you in that lurch, placed way too much emphasis on the defense. Didn't give, you, the, didn't give you good coaching, apparently, because you got rid of McCoy. You now sacked half the staff. Six guys got it off of Joseph's staff yesterday. Right. I I agree. I think, but I I predict Elway's going to hate himself for because they're going to lose again next year, and mm-hmm. he's going to say I should have done this last year. Well, who are they going to get to play quarterback? I mean, this is part of the stuff that's going to make the offseason on cover two and around the NFL so interesting. Uh, also, what team do you think comes back next year looking the most uh, different? What team do you think gets blown up and reassembled? I think the sexy pick is probably Seattle because they're right. just not going to be able to afford everybody. A lot of change coming there on defense. Is, that, is, is change coming to Denver, too? Because that's a lot of big contracts on defense. that I'm If they're going to need to make the changes on offense to keep up in the AFC West. I think those are two pretty good picks. Seattle and Denver are probably have as much potential for change as, as anyone. Now, Cleveland's always in there because they're Cleveland. Right. Um, but I think that's probably two pretty good organizations that generally have known what they're doing and now see the need to to not rebuild but to remake um, their nucleus, trying to think quickly of another team that could possibly. I think the Jets have some changes coming, but, um, you know. They were a little better than everybody. I mean, 5-11. Right, on bad. quarterback front, they're probably getting rid of Petty and Hackenberg, I would think. I don't know. Um, and then they might, they might, have, uh, they might have a new look. Uh, defensively, they're going to get rid of. Is it Wilkerson? Yeah, yeah. Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. If they're no talking Wilkerson's about maybe gone. bringing Sheldon Richardson back, back from Seattle. Yeah. Wow, it's a little crazy. Anyway, um, the other story that I think was just fascinating is is this John Gruden coronation in Oakland, uh, and besides making Del Rio announce his own firing, which I think was just brutal. Um, they're talking about ownership stake for Gruden. Are you freaking kidding me? This is a guy who hasn't coached in nine years and. Last won a playoff game when the Bucks won the Super Bowl over his old Raiders in January of '03, and went the next six years in Tampa Bay under 500, going 0 and 2 in the playoffs. An ownership stake, like there is not that kind of market for John Gruden, and I get it. Only in Oakland because they have this almost mystical, you know, relationship and and tie to him from '98 through '01 and the work he did there. That is so crazy. You kidding me? <laughs> the playoffs? I, exactly. Playoffs? Now, just a few minutes ago, uh, John Gruden was actually on ESPN Radio this morning, and I'm just reading here John Gr- from uh, Michael Gelkin on Twitter. John Gruden told He covers ESPN- the Raiders for the Las Vegas oh, paper. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Uh, Gruden told ESPN, quote, there's a good chance he'll accept the Raiders head coaching job as no offered. kidding. Described himself as excited. Uh, on such an offer of salary structure, quote no ownership that's for sure well that's that's smart because mark davis doesn't have to do that and i get i get what he's doing it's like oh crap uh we thought we were going to be good we 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 went six and ten we're still here for at least another year probably two in this market that's never been done a three-year goodbye in the market you're about to stiff arm Mm -hmm. so we need something you know we need marshawn lynch signing on steroids to get the fans back into us 
But still, ownership, that's crazy. Mark Davis never had to do that. He would have been bidding for Gruden. Against himself. Against himself. There was just would no way. Would it surprise way. you if the Raiders bid against themselves? I, it wouldn't for me. No, it wouldn't. But Reggie McKenzie's smarter than that. So I would hope somebody would say, Mark, there's nobody else who's going to remotely do that. You, you've won. Gruden is going to come back with the Raiders or no one. Um, you know, I think it's... Look, I don't think it's a horrible move, although I thought Del Rio was a better coach. Um, he didn't get stupid after 12-4 and four overnight, but they had a horrible season. I just think Gruden has lived off his reputation built in Oakland for a long, long, long time, and that is always dangerous to me. That Tampa team was fully loaded when he went there, and that's exactly why he jumped ship and went over to Tampa and then beat his own former team. And credit he knew for, the game because he knew their playbook. Credit he for getting it. them over the hump because Dungy couldn't do it in right. his six years. Sure. But it's not like he took that Bucks team and stayed on top. He went 7-9 and nine the year after the Super Bowl. Then they go to the playoffs two, two years of the next five and, and go one and done. He is among the most overrated coaches in the last 20 years in this league. I don't think the coach removals and coach replacements are done yet. I still oh, think... Oh, no. I think, I think there are Malarkey? a couple of... Malarkey? Malarkey? If they sorry. If they lose big on on uh, Saturday or... I'm forgetting, if, Sunday. Unless Derrick Henry puts the Titans on his back and says, hold my beer and runs for 200 yards against a yeah. semi-suspect. Or Mariota goes off somehow, some but way. Is he going to do it now, finally, for the first time this year? Is he going to have not a, a vintage Oregon game? Not likely. Not likely. No, not, not likely. Not even that the Chiefs pass defense is to be feared. But, but never but, never underestimate the Chiefs' ability to lose in the playoffs. And true. Andy Reid. Uh, I, I, see, I see the storyline is right there. I mean, the, the good drama of Patriots-Steelers rematching in the AFC Championship the revenge for survive survive the ground two the revenge, Patriots having to ex, ex, exonerate them you know having to rather redeem themselves by beating the Chiefs who beat them and embarrass them on right. their opening night here. The AFC storyline is playing out beautifully if it holds to form. I just think that come week one, whew, there's a couple of teams that are going to prove that they didn't belong. Well, yeah, that that is certainly possible. I thought Tennessee in winning fifteen to ten at home against Jacksonville was it was about as ugly a a playoff clinching win as you can have, but that's kind of Tennessee, um, and that smash mouth, smash mouth exotic offense just isn't going to play long term, and that's why I think Malarkey is still in trouble. I'll give you another team that I thought, I thought the, um, I thought the Houston situation that's not completely out of the woods yet either. Bill O'Brien came out and said we're talking now. Rick Smith, the longtime GM, is going to take a leave of absence to deal with his wife's. Um, breast cancer diagnosis. Um, best wishes to her, too. Rick Smith's a good guy. Um, but that clears the way for O'Brien to get more power in Houston. So you say McNair's not going to want to lose both those guys in the same offseason, so so O'Brien gets a contract extension. But it hasn't happened yet, so keep an eye on Houston. I mean, gee whiz. Talk about, again, the, attrition of the, the injury attrition of the NFL possibly being responsible for another coaching removal. Okay, how about I just take away one of the top five players on defense from your defense, and then I'll go ahead and I'll take... How about two of the top five? Two of the top five. Whitney, right, Merciless, Merciless, and JJ. Two. <laughs> two of the top ten, we'll say. Right. Two of the top ten linemen. And then I'm going to follow that up uh, for an encore. I'm going to take away your surging rookie of the year quarterback, who, if he kept playing like that, would have been, been the MVP. He might have been. Sean Watson... Might have been the MVP, but he was going to be the offensive rookie of the year. I mean, without even a question. We saw the other night how difficult a time Clemson had with Alabama. Deshaun Watson didn't have that tough a time. No, no. He was, he was fantastic. So I think Bill O'Brien deserves one more run. Yeah, I think, I think he will. Um, but, again, that's, that is still not done. So that's a situation I'm still watching. All right, we're going to be joined now by Joe Banner of the Philadelphia Eagles, longtime team president, and then served as the CEO of the Cleveland Browns. Joe, good morning. I know we're catching you in transit. How is your Black Monday week going so far? So far, so good. I'm actually down south, so I'm not freezing like the rest of the world. You win. Where Where are we finding you? In Florida, I hope? Yeah, I'm in Florida. Okay, all right. Let's get to some of the topics that have already dominated the NFL discussion this week. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about Bruce Arians retiring, Carson Palmer 
retiring as well, all within 24 hours in Arizona. Where do you think the Cardinals are? Eight, some aging stars, obviously, Larry Fitzgerald, Adrian Peterson, Patrick Peterson's still kind of mid-career. Where do you think the Cardinals are as an organization right now when you look at um, two straight non-playoff seasons and losing their coach and their quarterback? You know, listen, they got to take a step back here, but I think Steve Kime has demonstrated that he knows how to put together a team and evaluate people. I actually think they're in good shape on their defense. Uh, you know, we'll see as the coaching transition happens, who comes in as the coordinator, if they have continuity there, but I think the defense is mostly in good shape. So I think, you know, like anybody who doesn't have a quarterback, everything is going to be around finding the right coach and then getting a quarterback solution, but uh, I wouldn't be overly discouraged about where they are because I actually think there's more pieces in place to build from than uh, we see on most teams that kind of have back-to-back years where they're a little disappointed in the outcome. Joe, speaking of discouragement, um, Eagles fans are no doubt right now uh, having to be talked <laughs> off the ledge. Uh, I wonder... <laughs> I think they've already jumped off the ledge. <laughs> yeah, I have friends who there's talked about the Delaware River Bridge. Um and their demise. Just give me a sense, after watching that offense obviously struggle with Nick Foles the last two weeks, where you think the level of confidence, not where they say it is, but where it really is within that organization and within that locker room going into the playoffs as a number one seed. Because I maintain, uh, you know, it's crazy, but if the Saints put a number on Carolina this Sunday – are, is it possible New Orleans could go into Philly as the favorite? It's probably unheard of for a number one seed in the divisional round. Yeah, first of all, there's no doubt that's possible. Um, I think the reality in Philly is that they uh, are in better shape than they think, but they're still a real long shot at this point. I mean, we've seen Foles play well, and we've seen him play the last two weeks. So the team, I'm sure, is nervous. The team has some doubt that they didn't previously have. But I also think, you know, they've watched him in practice. He's played in Philly before with some of the same players that he has now. I think they know that if the right ball shows up, you know, with the right game plan, uh, which to me means don't get too conservative now. It doesn't mean you don't move more towards the run than they've been. But if you become too predictably conservative, you're not going to score many points. And I don't think that's going to serve them well, especially if they're playing New Orleans. So, you know, they got to hope that Foles can get it on track. He has not played well the last two weeks. He played pretty well in the first game he came back against the Giants. And, you know, they've seen him play well in the past. He's got to get back to that. Or they, will, they won't beat anybody in the playoffs if he plays like he did the last two weeks. So we know he's capable of it. The fact that he, the fact that he doesn't do it consistently is why he's really a backup. Um, but the Foles we can get on the day that the, they line up to play, presumably the Saints, which I think is very likely, um, you know, he's got to come out and play a good game, and they've got to have a really good game plan, and they've got to get a little more conservative than usual, but not so much so that they can just stack the line and leave it to the sevens after two runs. Joe, this is Don's co-host, uh, Nick Stevens. I always try to look at things uh, first from a fan's perspective, and you having worked with the Browns and the Eagles, two incredibly passionate fan bases, coming at things from two perspectives, the Browns obviously just wanting to win and get to where they think they should have been so long, and the the Eagles, the, the long-suffering fan base that's been so close. Could you tell me, when does the front office start to feel, or, or do you guys ever feel the pressure from the fans? You know, uh, the Eagles fans that we talked about just a minute ago, they're already jumping off bridges, they're, they're so passionate, they, and now they're so anxious. And the Browns, I, I read that the Browns are actually organizing a march to walk a, a zero around the stadium this Saturday to protest what's gone on in Cleveland. Is the front office aware of... The, the mounting pressure from the fan base? Yeah, and you're also aware of the distinctly different experiences that those two fan bases are having, having lived both of them. Um, I mean, the, the Cleveland fans are just completely exasperated, and they're probably as close to hopeless as you can get when you love football as much as they do and care as much as they do. Um, and, uh, you know, they... they Maybe the more recent moves will start to move them in the right direction, but from their perspective, they've seen so many changes that all started with a bunch of hope that turned out to be false hope. So the level of skepticism that any change is actually the answer uh, is incredibly high. Even when they actually bring in the answer, you know, they won't really believe it or recognize it until they really start to win. 
McPhilly is different. They've had a long, long stretch, as most franchises go, of reasonable success without the ultimate, you know, success. And your expectations elevate as time goes on. I mean, they did for us when we were in the front office. When Andy took over, you know, we wanted to get to good. And, uh, you know, in the second year, we went 11-5, and five, and then we were totally focused on winning the Super Bowl at the four championship games. It's impossible to describe the frustration of one of four straight championship games uh, and finally getting to the Super Bowl in the fourth and then not winning it. I mean, what, you you feel the pressure and you feel the angst from the fans, but you also have this uh, within yourself, you know, upsetness and stress. And, uh, I mean, I remember the third time we lost the championship game. I don't remember how long it was before I get any kind of a decent night's sleep. So um, you feel it, you're aware of it, um, you you want to make them happy, you're, you're doing everything you can that you think uh, will make things better. Um, but frankly, the pressure within yourself, within the building, is greater than anything coming from the outside. Joe, I'm going to shock you and say that sometimes the a quick take of pundits and uh, prognosticators and analysts is wrong in the long run. And what we saw this year with Buffalo and the Jets, two teams that were supposedly tanking the 2017 season, lo and behold, they both overachieved. Buffalo's in the playoffs uh, at 9-7. and seven, and The Jets won five games and were competitive in probably five others, very competitive. What did it say to you um, that they both kind of thought down the road, they thought beyond 2017, uh, unloaded some players that they did not think were part of the uh, solution, but perhaps were valuable and they could get return on, and yet still overachieved. What's the lesson that should be learned but probably will not be? <laughs> well, that's the last part is the key. You got the, the focus on known names and how it impacts people's evaluation projections of what's going to happen. So when you see teams losing veterans, or the reverse happens, too. I mean, everybody was making a big deal when Lynn signed with Oakland. Everybody was making a big deal when Adrian Peterson signed in New Orleans. I mean, these are, you know, well-known names, uh, but the players aren't what they were. And once they uh, get carried away with the impact of that on the losing side, where you let some veterans leave the teams that you mentioned, or teams that add veterans that are big-name players, but their name and their production at this point don't match. Um, those are the way you see the overvalued standard evaluations. The other thing I think you see, and I can't speak to this enough, uh, coaching has a much, much bigger impact in football than any other sport and is frequently underestimated. And the impact of your coordinators as opposed to your head coach is also dramatically underestimated. Uh, so I think you're talking in uh, the Jets and Buffalo, Buffalo because he was unknown, uh, Todd Bowles is somebody I've worked with, like, have a lot of respect for, I think is a very good coach. The impact of those uh, moves was uh, underestimated the impact of their staffs and in um, making things better and having the team overachieve or not was underestimated. Well, you just led me right into our next question for you, Joe. Uh, speaking of the impact of coaching and wondering if an asset is what it used to be, now there's the rumblings of John Gruden returning to the Raiders. Now, he's been out of football for nine years up in the booth calling Spider Y2 Banana on Monday Night Football. Talking about, talking, I love that guy. I really I love that guy, Sean. Uh, and now, you know, Dick Vermeil is the one that comes to mind because he was out for 14 years. Do you think this is a, a like a marquee move to sort of sex up the Raiders transition from Oakland to Las Vegas? Is it Mark Davis just not knowing what to do and going with what he knew? Or do we really think Gruden can bring a lot back to the Raider table? Um, you know, I, I worked with John. I know John well. Um, so I'm going to kind of give you an in-between answer. There's no doubt that John is a good, a very good uh, football coach. Um, I don't put him in the category of these coaches that are just so good that you win no matter what once you have them. Um, so, I mean, I think the answer is he's taking over a talented team, especially on the offensive side, where he's just a brilliant offensive mind and offensive coach. Um, and his chances of turning things around and making them better are very, very good. But I don't know that he can be the guy that comes in there and you just say, oh, they have John Gruden. I mean, if you have Bill Belichick, I mean, I'm a big believer in Andy Reid. I believe you're essentially guaranteed that you're going to win. Will you win the Super Bowl? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I think John's just a, a small step below that. 
and uh, I think he gives them a much better chance. I think it's a huge upgrade from where they were. Um, but I think it's a story yet to be told. He has to put together a really good staff. Uh, it's always important, but especially when you've been out of the league, you know, that long. And he is a guy that even as a head coach focused primarily on offense. So, you know, I think that uh, it's a story yet to be told. But I do think they've made a meaningful upgrade. I just don't know if they're going to get everything out of it they're hoping. Last question, Joe. We'll let you go. Ted Thompson um, steps aside, gets pushed upstairs, whatever you want to call it, into more of an advisory role in Green Bay. A great run for him. Sustained success. Obviously just the one ring um, when there was a lot of uh, quarterbacking talent on hand. Do you think Green Bay legitimately looks outside the organization, even though there's an Elliott Wolf or a Russ Ball right under their nose? Or how do you read the way forward for Green Bay, um, clearly with a um, a new defensive coordinator, a new GM, and a short-term extension for Mike McCarthy uh, granted? Well, I think we're all going to be shocked if they go outside of the building. But, you know, I always say people don't really know who's scoring against what in the building unless you're actually in the meetings. Um, so we all have a very positive impression of those guys that they have there. Uh, we presume that they've been uh, candidates both inside and outside the building, you know, for a while now. Uh, so it would really be a very big surprise. They, they have uh, multiple young, uh, aggressive, smart, you know, experienced guys there. Uh, so I'm going to be very surprised if it isn't one of those guys gets hired. And I think we're going to see a little bit more progressive uh, Packers organization. I don't think they're going to turn into the uh, leading signer of free agents or anything, but I think we'll see a little more uh, openness to doing things like you know trading up or down in the draft, signing some uh, free agents, maybe being a little more proactive in signing some of their own guys early. You know, we see them sign two guys recently, but there's a big risk in waiting this long uh, to sign your own guys and then having to kind of pay what the agent wants to keep them hitting the market. So I don't think we're going to see um, dramatic change there, but I think you're going to see a little bit more progressive organization, which I think will make the coach happy, and we'll see if it changes on the field or not. Joe Banner, our guest today on the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens, longtime Eagles team president, Brown CEO. Uh, Joe worked in a front office in the NFL from 95 to the end of 2014 and did some consulting for the Falcons as well. Uh, thanks so much for the time. Happy New Year to you, Joe. Um, one little bit of promotion. Joe and I are going to be doing a kind of an around-the-NFL Q&A for The Athletic uh, starting this week, so check it out. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate the time and, and safe travels. A pleasure. Take it easy, guys. I appreciate Joe's candor. Yeah. The fact that he didn't just give us studied NFL executive bylines, but rather was willing to step out and say, I think Gruden can be a good coach, but... It's not a shoe-in that he's going to come in on reputation alone and turn the Raiders around. I love guys that are you know give you unvarnished opinions, and he, he is one of them. He's good on Twitter. Uh, it's one of the reasons why uh, people are after him, kind of to kind of quote unquote join the media. Uh, again, he's you know he's going to do this Q and A with the Athletic. He does one already for the Athletic on the Eagles. He's he's he is a guy that has been there and done that, and yet he doesn't lapse into front office speak. Okay, so not lapsing into front office speak, let's pick your experienced NFL mind. If you were an aspiring or ascending NFL head coaching candidate, the job you would want most would be what? I'm going to surprise you a little. Hit me. Detroit Lions. Me and, too. And I'll 100%. tell you why. First of all, you have to have a quarterback. I think they have the best one available. And again, the openings, Indy. Andrew Luck, a question mark. Chicago, Trubisky, we don't know yet. Arizona, big question mark. Palmer retired. Drew Stanton, uh, Blaine Gabbert. Giants, an aging Eli. Oakland, now there, a lot of people would pick Oakland because of Derek Carr, but he's coming off a year that makes you wonder, do they just overpay him? I'll take the Lions, and it's because of quarterbacking. It's because Bob Quinn, former Patriot front office guy, you know what really meant something to me? And Joe Banner in our Q&A echoed this. They went 9-7, and seven and they were still willing to make a change. You know what that says? A lot of GMs are safe in that, oh, well, we had a winning record. Let's not change anything. Let me keep my job. He said, nope, we can do better. We should have done better. Let's swing for the fences. I like that, and I think I would bank on that and the fact that the Lions' ownership is stable – it's in the Ford family for 100 years now or so. They care, they want to win, but they don't meddle either. I think it's a really good situation. 
Stability in the ownership. Front office stability. Quarterback stability. Offensive playmakers. Some solid pieces on defense. And better uniforms this year. Yeah, I liked them too. One good, one more good draft, and that's a playoff team. I, I, I think. I mean, the they were right there. They were, and and you know, um, I thought Jim Caldwell did a pretty good job, but the the fact remains that he didn't win their biggest games. And I like that they said, "Nope, we're not just sticking with status quo. We're we're gonna go for it." I'm gonna make the call that Matt Patricia will be the new head coach I, of the I, Detroit Lions. I buy it too, a hundred percent. That's a why. I mean, the devil you know. I mean, Bob Quinn worked with Matt Patricia. You're you're reading everything. Does he on shave the media. beard? Absolutely not. I don't think so either. I'll be curious though. Matt Patricia always slims down during the off season, Does and he? then he goes, yeah, and then he teddy bears back up during the season. Must be a lot of you think stress this... eating and long nights here. I met him in the off season, and he was it's funny because he's fat. <laughs> he was, he was, he was like Iron Man svelte. Wow! And it just happens. He just like uh, does he does he ever shave the trim the beard at all? I hope not. Do you I mean, think there are extra pencils that in there? Guy in little <laughs> you can always go Farley. In I'm going to say that again. Do you think there are extra pencils? He keeps extra, oh, extra pencils in the beard. Uh, he's got ten SATs worth of number twos in there. Yeah. Rocket not, science. Don't, don't get caught. rocket scientist. Right. right? Don't get caught off guard. Who says this game isn't rocket science? Look, people said that he was ready to be a GM, let alone a head coach, last off season. So I think he's as good as gone, and they've already got. Replacement candidates in New England. Right? I think Josh McDaniels is going to go this cycle, I do too. too. I do, too. Where does he go? Does he go to the Giants? Does he go to the Colts? I don't know. He can't. Jimmy Ursay. I wouldn't bank on Jimmy Ursay. Hey, Ursa. I mean, I know they have a new, a younger GM who's reverse anti-Grigson. Chris Ballard. Chris Ballard, who people are high on. They say they have Ursay in check. I don't know about that. Um I don't know. I, 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 the the lion. What is that? That famous tweet where he took a shirtless picture of himself. Said the lion, the animal wants out of the cage. Like I just, I don't want anything to do with I that. I must have ever. missed that one. Thank Oh, it's a brutal. Uh, he's an incredible follow on Twitter. Yes, he is. Uh, the Giants might be the better position, but if you're looking at a competition between Eli Manning and Davis Webb next year, um, you know, well, the they're going to draft versus, somebody. They have yeah, the number two still. pick. They're going to draft somebody. Uh, is that what they need? I mean, maybe we don't yeah. know. No, they're going to draft somebody. So I don't know if McDaniel's might, but I see. Patricia. I don't know if I don't. Gettleman's a short-term proposition to me. I like Dave Gettleman. He'll probably do well, but he's not going to be there for ten years. You know what? Go to Arizona. They'll give you time. Yeah. Go, Steve Kime, He'll appreciate the mind. They'll they'll draft a new quarterback. You get somebody. You you find a but, a but warm body like a Hoyer. You to don't know who your quarterback is in Arizona, and the rules. Is your second gig? You have to make sure everything's in place. That's why he hasn't jumped. I, I think Arizona's out because they don't know who the quarterback is. Josh is not going somewhere where his quarterback might be Blaine Gabbard or oh, Drew Stanton. Okay, then why not stick around New England right. one year longer? Because you like it here. You're really successful. You've got a great relationship with the quarterback. And who knows when Bill Belichick may just say, if you remove one potential replacement for Belichick. Doesn't that give McDaniels just a little bit of a better shot at maybe taking over one day himself? Maybe. I maybe. I, I still feel like in my gut I think this is the year he, he goes. Now, the the tricky part is what if they both like Detroit first and foremost? And then it's, you know, the, then it's the Detroit GM deciding between the two coordinators from New England. Does he go to Chicago maybe? And then you have Patricia and McDaniels playing if each other. If he likes Trubisky, I guess. Yeah, I think he's going to watch a lot of tape on him. Yeah, he got a lot of interviews for the bye week. All right, let's get to the uh, the, the four playoff games um, this weekend. I don't love the field. It uh, it feels to uh, me playoffs. 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 We'll call this segment uh, "Take It to the Banks," where you there make you your wild card picks. I I like all four. Two really. I like all four home teams this week, and that's not very sexy. But I feel like. If there's an upset, it could be the Falcons with their playoff experience going into L.A., the Coliseum, a venerable venue, uh, and coming out looking like the team that's been there while the Rams look a little jittery, like like this, you know, the big game atmosphere gets to them a little bit. I don't, I'm not going to predict that, but that is my closest that I can come to an upset, uh, Falcons over Rams. And otherwise, I think the Saints... I think the Saints are going to handle the Panthers for that proverbial third time, uh, and the Chiefs and the Jags look pretty solid to me as well. Saints really didn't have any trouble with the Panthers, and a couple weeks ago I thought the Panthers were, following the Wentz injury, maybe the clear-cut number dangerous, two, yeah. a dangerous team. I still see Minnesota having a 
solid inside track on Super Bowl being the first ever home team in a Super Bowl. But right now, I'm I'm leaning Saints too. The most entertaining game we'll say this weekend should be Falcons Rams. I love the over in that game. I yep. think that's going to be a high scoring affair because the potential to break out still lays within. And I think that'll be the story of the 2017 Falcons is that too much scar tissue, too many, too much shell shock still from Super Bowl right. 51 to really to fulfill the, their potential. They're the only NFC team that got back to the playoffs. So credit that they, they did man up, get to 10 wins. It's not easy. It could have no. been so easily just down the tubes. They're the third team in that division. They still get into the playoffs. That's why they're still a little dangerous to me. The problem is they haven't cracked like 24 points in two months. Right. So if they haven't done it in that long, what makes you think that they're going to do it right. now? I like the playoff field refresh in the NFC. In the AFC, I think there's a chance we're going to see two it's super possible. boring games. Here's the only thing I'll say. Do you know when the last time Kansas City won a home playoff game? When? Boring. Nin- 1993 when Joe Montana was their quarterback. That's wow. the last time they won. A- and they, I think they're 0-5 at home in that span. So it's not like they're 0-2 or something. Well, mm-hmm. if they don't win this one, they'll never win. I, I, no. That's what that's I said. If, if it's not now. Alex Smith will have to actually deliver the, the news. The table that he's is been- proverbially set. When? Yeah. If not now, when? Like, this is – now, remember, they lost to Pittsburgh last year. They've lost a couple times in the Schottenheimer era when they were the number one 13-3 seed. I was at one of them. It was against the Colts. One yep. time it was against Denver. But this time, against this Titans team that is very limited offensively, Kansas City has to win this game. They do. Absolutely. They should. There's they no should. reason. There is nothing that should scare anybody. Other than Again, the Chiefs' playoff history. Uh, their own history. It's almost like what we talked to Joe. When when does the office feel the pressure? When do you fold to your own history and reputation as opposed to playing up to your potential? I don't see the Titans finally solving their season-long offensive woes against the Chiefs, not that the Chiefs have any sort of world-beating defense, the same way that I don't see Carolina coming out of their own spiral or Atlanta finally reverting to 2016 form. Well, Buffalo-Jacksonville is interesting. I, if if Sean, LaShawn McCoy plays and his like himself at all mm. it could be a better game than we're expecting but i think i fear as you do it'll be 23 to 6 or something like that jacksonville's defense is too tough for taylor um and and it's kind of a slog and, and let's be honest B- buffalo probably hasn't sobered up yet so it's gonna as as much as they say we're not just happy to be here they're happy to just be here they're they're a, they're a weird team because they lose five of their last ten. A lot of double-digit losses, too. A couple of clutch wins. Yet, somehow, still, it seems like they were in some of those games that they ended up losing by double digits more. Like, they were up on the Patriots. So they were one weird Kelvin Benjamin reverse touchdown call in the end zone at the end of the half away from maybe making that game more competitive. You know what my favorite quirky um, statistic of the weekend is? In the AFC, the four teams that are playing this weekend, three of them either coach or have coached the Buffalo Bills. Wow. Doug Marone, mm-hmm. two years. Oh, it's the Marone Bowl. That's right. Two years, 15 and 17. Mike Malarkey, two years, 04 and 05, went 14 and 18. And now Sean, um, Sean McDermott is in his rookie year uh, with a 9 and 7. So if you didn't coach the Bills at some point, Andy Reid, you have no place in the first round. I, w- I was just going to say to Nick, imagine the man-on-the-street fun Nick could have if Buffalo ended up coming here uh, and the Bills Mafia invaded I, I, Gillette for I'll, a playoff I'll, game. I'll be here Friday night. Nick could be there you know, with with his GoPro filming guys jumping off the top of campers and the flaming trash cans and I, everything else. Secretly, I'm kind of hoping for that. I, I, I'm telling I you. You're, I don't think you're going to see it. Just the same way you're not going to see when Nathan Peterman leads them to victory Sunday in Jacksonville. Speaking of, guess who's off the hook? Nathan Peterman. Yeah. And, and Sean McDermott, obviously, for starting him. What, but a I'm move kind, that, what a move that was. But I'm kind of glad that that storyline did not end up being, you know, their, their epitaph. Tyrod Taylor to Deontay Thompson. Tyrod Taylor to Kelvin Benjamin. Over... Two cornerbacks that made the Pro Bowl. I mean, it just I don't it just I don't see it. Buffalo see is it. a sentimental it, they are a sentimental favorite in this they, field now. They got their Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. They I had mean their moment. They're they're you know as we talked to Joe Banner, I mean, they were supposed to be tanking when they shipped uh Robert Woods and Kelvin Benjamin out and, and AJ Darby. Yeah, and, I mean they were supposed to be uh, uh 
Ron Darby. Yeah, Ron, Ronald Darby. Yeah, they were supposed to be uh, tanking this year, so right. they're a year ahead at least. All right. Well, let's um, let's talk a little MVP talk, shall we? I um, I have had the ballot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for about the last, I don't know, couple decades since I was a beat writer in Minnesota, um, and I I struggled with this one. Um, we won't go into the the nitty gritty of the All Pro. But as far as major awards, I just felt like, boy, Brady didn't end the season like putting it away, and Todd Gurley didn't even play in Week 17. I kind of wish he had because he lost the rushing title. Um, Carson Wentz, there was this late groundswell of opinion, which I had to admit had some validity. If Carson Wentz misses the first three weeks of the season rather than the last three but still leads the league, 33 touchdown passes, seven interceptions, He's going to get all kinds of MVP buzz, but because he missed the last three, it was like wah wah wah, and and maybe that's not fair, but that's, I don't think it is. That's the reality of the situation. Yeah. And last year at this time, we were talking Brady twelve games versus full season Matt Ryan, and I voted Matt Ryan because I said it's important to answer the bell and be there all sixteen games. So I stayed consistent. I went with Tom Brady as my MVP vote. And I think he's going to win fairly comfortably. I do. You do? Yes. That's the sentiment you're getting around the league? I think Gurley's going to get some votes, but I think Carson Wentz is going to get some votes. I think I think if I had a vote, and I'm not just saying this because— And I'll make sure I, you never have a vote. I know. I know trust people. Me, the last person that the yeah. NFL would so, ever wait, give a vote him? to. him? No, 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 no. You can't give the Nick Stevens a vote. those videos? No. No. no, no, no. Fitzy? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No. He no, burps. Just, no. Like, he burps on him. So, you're not yeah, getting I'm a vote. I'm not just afraid of the— MVP jinx. You know, then again, hey, listen, the Madden curse was supposed to come for Brady this year, and he defied it, too, just like he's defying it. So you're just coming else. at this from strictly a Pats 100. fan Where angle. else do I come at it from? you got to come from once, what okay. you know, right? I would probably have given it to Wentz just because we're now seeing how incredibly <laughs> valuable he was to his team, and that is by far the most valuable I, player to his team, and to me that's the definition of the award. I actually wrote that in Snap Judgments. I said the strongest argument – for Wentz winning the MVP is the Eagles the last two two or three weeks. 100%. Yeah, it is It is pretty strong. But the unfair part for Brady is we judge him on this curve that we don't judge other people on. He had phenomenal statistics. He just didn't have his best statistics ever, and he didn't end as well as he played the first 10 games. But he still had better statistics than anybody else in the league overview, you know, in right. most of the categories. And so I think, and, and add in the fact that he's 40, I don't know, that makes uh, a little difference for me, too, that he's playing at that level. I think the argument for Brady having a Come great... Come after me! I'm a man. I'm a man! I'm 40! Uh, still one of my top favorites is that, ever. Oklahoma is that State. Mike Gundy? Yeah, it's Gundy. I, I'd say this. Brady should have an excellent playoffs because not only does he have a healthy Gronk and does he have Deion Lewis at his disposal, but with the bye week... They rested up James White. He should be able to get Burkhead back, and he'll have the extra week to go to the Magic Guerrero factory and get his own Achilles taken care of, too. Is it really magic? That's what I hear. Okay. Um, Coach of the year I thought was easy. I went with Sean McVay. I think he's going to win in a landslide. Yep. Um, maybe, you know, after Sunday, Sean McDermott gets a little bit lo- gets a little love, the two Sean Irish twins. Uh, but I think McVay is going to win – fairly handily. Maybe Doug Peterson gets a little buzz. Defensive player of the year was tough for me, but I went with Aaron Donald. I think he is I think he's the the biggest handful for an offensive uh, game planner in the league today. When he stays within himself. When he when he's when he's in check, when he's under control, I think he's probably the best defensive player in the NFL. You had, Calais, had a great year. You had Calais Campbell, right? Cam- had a great resurgence with Jacksonville this year. Cam Jordan in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, Chandler Jones led the league in sacks as kind of a rush linebacker with right. 17. But I'm a big guy. When it comes to awards, if there's a, a jump ball, it always should go to the teams that won. And Any consideration to Bosa? Yeah, except for I, I read somewhere he had like a ridiculous amount of penalties. Bosa, to me, is going to win the award some someday soon. But he needs to refine his game a little bit. He's still, I think he's still, you know, he's getting by on just absolutely freakish athletic talent. Uh, he'll win it, but not this year. I didn't, I didn't think he was um, even in my top three or four. Um, comeback 
player of the year was tough. I went, I was going to go Gronk for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Then I saw people say, what about Jared Goff? And I'm like, come back. He, he had never made it. So that's, to me, a different. I went Keenan Allen, Chargers receiver. Solid choice. Yeah, who had a monster second half of the season. Just ridiculous. Finally seeing the Keenan Allen that played my fantasy team for so many years. And then the other tough one for me was offensive rookie of the year because, let's be honest, Hunt, the running back from Kansas City who led the league in rushing, and then Kamara, the running back from the Saints. Which and you go? I, I went round and round. I put their yards and the touchdowns. Kamara has more touchdowns, um, and he had one as a kick returner this past week as well. So he scored rushing, receiving, and returning. Hunt had more total yards, but he really disappeared in the middle of the season. So I went Kamara. And I think he's going to win it. That's a great call. And don't forget, Hunt wasn't really sharing a backfield with anybody. No. Now, he did have to step up after Spencer Ware got hurt in the preseason, and that led to his breakout season, or gave him the opportunity to shine. But Kamara put up the stats he did when Mark Ingram was good enough to be the starting running back on 27 other teams yep. and got starting running back stats. That's how good the Saints' rushing offense was for a time. Defensive rookie of the year was also a little close, but I went Marshawn Lattimore. I stuck with the Saints. No-brainer. Well, Tredavious White had a very good year for Buffalo as good. well. Uh, but I thought Lattimore, and plus he had the butt interception, sure. the butt pick. When you right. get the butt pick, it clinched it for me, really. Because Did you say clinched it for you? Clinch, clenched it. Clenched it, it for you. Not clen- <laughs> Thank you. I was going to say, where's his rim stinger? <laughs> and lastly, Offensive Player of the Year, and I don't give that uh, rubber stamp to the MVP. I, I gave that to Todd Gurley because he did lead the league in touchdowns and total yards from scrimmage. And I just don't think the MVP, MVP cares about winning the Offensive Player of the Year. So I always like to split that vote whenever possible and reward two guys. Lastly, the Assistant Coach of the Year, which I love this award. It hasn't been around forever. I thought long and hard, and I came up with, to me, the perfect guy, Pat Shermer. The guy loses his top quarterback in Sam Bradford, loses Dalvin Cook, his top running back. And where are the Vikings? 13-3. and three. That is a great offensive uh, coordinator, and and he was my assistant coach. Could of the be year. getting some looks himself, maybe for he should some coaching consideration. The guy went nine and twenty three in Cleveland, and now they build you statues for going nine and twenty three in Cleveland. Ha, you know, just ask you one one and done. He should be one and done with one win. What would you say? <laughs> You do here. Yeah, I say you get rid of Hugh. Oh boy, those ban- you know, like I mentioned to Joe Banner too. Um, cheers to the Browns fans. Look at the Bills. Su- Bills fans suffered for so long; they got their just due. They're going to be so having so much fun regardless. May they never sober up. May they jump on as many flaming tables as possible. But the poor Browns fans that they had to to show their displeasure to the front office, organize a march this Saturday. I didn't hear about this. They're this going is- to walk a counterclockwise circle around First Energy Field. So what is that going to do? Because they're going to show them the, a zero. They want it, Well, they're using it as a cancer fundraiser as well. So. What are they calling it? The Losers March? I, th- I forget the exact name of it. But I think it's A, hilarious, and B, they're going to try to raise money to, you know, for a good cause. Are they wearing just, orange hats or brown hats or something? You know, because you've got to wear hats in a march. And, and then a Cleveland fan passed away, a longtime Cleveland fan passed away last week, and I forget exactly what it was. Uh, he wanted pallbearers to be... Browns fans, so they could let him down one more time. This was like, not last week. This no, story that, was no, like that three was, years ago. Oh, I know, but another one. It happened. Yeah. There was another fan last yeah. week who had to make sure that his final act as a let human let me down one last was time to, was yes. to take a swipe at the Browns. They're going to have to retire that line, though. That's that has been done. Now. That's still pretty good, though. It is good. All right, I'm looking forward to the next two weekends. Um, I always say that the first two weekends of the NFL playoffs, I'll take. I know some people love conference final weekend. I love the two doubleheaders back-to-back days, and that's what we're in for, those first eight playoff games the next two weekends. If Championship Sunday is Christmas, I always refer to this period as like a prolonged football Thanksgiving, and I can't get enough of it. All right, I want to thank our producer, Kevin Collins, once again on his game with all the sound effects. This is the time we self-promote. I want to say check out Snap Judgments and my Bank Shots video on Patriots.com. Also have a piece on Bleacher Report this week on the whole How a Black Monday Unfolds Within an Organization how the players are always the first to know when a head coach is game over. Nick, what you got? I'd like to invite you to take a look at my Patriots Facebook Live talk show, Pat Show. It's available facebook.com slash patshow6. And, of course, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7, on the Maddie and Nick Show on 107.3. 
WAFFM in Boston. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Joe Banner, our guest on the Cover 2 podcast this week. We will talk again next week. Be well. Thank you for downloading the Cover 2 podcast from Patriots.com. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Cuts it under the right arm. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. It's Diving to the goal line. It's going. A touchdown. It's and a title for the Patriots. It. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Log on to Patriots.com anytime for more news and more podcasts covering your favorite team and all things NFL.